the scripture that I read uh, that was on the oar there is the scripture I want to use today. It's 1 Corinthians 12, and it's, it says, you are the body of Christ. So the body of Christ is us. And each one of you is a separate but necessary part. So it's this, it's this thing about how in life I'm an individual, but I'm not really an individual. I'm a part of something bigger. It's bigger than me. How many of you ever tried to say that to your kids? It's bigger than you. Have you ever had one of your kids in the car and it was only about them? Anybody? And you had to try to find to convince them some way that, no, this is bigger than you. We aren't just going to address your wants and your needs. So Paul was trying to get us adults to understand that life is not an individual sport. Life is a team sport. And when you start to get it, when you start to grow up, when you start to mature, you realize that life is a little bit bigger than you. My new favorite commercial on TV, I don't even know the company. It might be Geico, but have you seen it? It's the guy with the triangle solo. How have you been there? Have you been? It's worth, you got to YouTube that one, man. Huh? You haven't seen it? The, the, the triangles and the guy's in a symphony, right? And he's got the whole like tux on and everything. Then he just steps out. And he's like, I'm going to get mine right now. And he's got the triangle, right? This was something they would let me play in school, a triangle, right? And he's like, I'm going to get mine right now. And he comes out and he breaks away from the crowd. It's worth watching. And uh, I don't think that's exactly the idea with the triangle. You know what the triangle is, right? The little ding, ding. I think you're just supposed to stand in the back. And whenever it gets to your thing, you go ding. And then you stand there for a long time. And then you go ding. And, you know, some of us, that's our part. It's the triangle. Some of us, it's the tuba. And some of us play the violin. And some of us have parts that are very well-known. Some of us have parts that are lesser well-known. And Paul was trying to say, the thing about the, Paul's metaphor of the body is this. First of all, you have to be connected. So no matter what, in the body of Christ, just like in the physical body, you ha- the parts have to be connected. The fingers, the elbows, the ears, the legs, everything has to be connected. It's essential that it's connected, which is why we've put a huge focus during the series on getting connected, small groups and finding social opportunities for people and uh, everybody just finding a way to get together with others. How many have ever said this to yourself? After you've went and had a dinner with somebody or you went to an event with somebody and you just kind of came home with a smile on your face and you thought, that was really good. Anybody ever done this before? Man, that was good. How many have ever had to drag yourself to something thinking, I don't really want to do this? I don't really, anybody? And then when you left, you went, that was better than I thought it was going to be. That was all right. So there's something sometimes about us that, that wishes or pulls towards isolation but really, God made us to be connected. And so if the body, the first thing is connection. The second thing in this metaphor, the body, is contribution. Contribution. That my hands, if this is a part of the body, the body is supposed to contribute something. Here's the thing. Just, just stay with the body for a minute. The hand feeds food to the mouth. The mouth 
right? Sends to the digestive, the digestive then sends energy back to the body. What the hand gives to the mouth circles back and comes back to the what? Comes back to the hand. Brings energy back to the hand. This is what we need to understand. There is, are you ready? There is no such thing as giving. It's a word that we have to use because we don't know what else to do. But the hand never really gives. It only gives and it comes what? It comes back. These are the things that Jesus tried to teach us. Give and it will what? Come back to you. This is so hard for us to understand. There really is no such thing as giving. Because what you give, where you get, no matter how you give, it always comes back to you. When you start to see how connected we are, when you start to see how connected our universe is, you start to get the whole thing that what you sow, you then what? You reap. Farmers get it. Once we get the idea, this is so huge, once you get the idea that we're connected, you take out the idea of giving. How many of you have ever given a lot? Now, forget that I threw the word out, but you've given a lot to your kids. How many, let's just be honest, you know, how many have given more than you should have? Let's just put it out there, right? Like, why do you keep doing that? Because they're a part of you. There's no other way to describe it except they're a part of you. You don't exactly equate it to giving, do you? You don't equate it to giving the way you would equate it to giving to something or someone else. You give irrationally to your children. How many are like, I'm seeing a doctor about that right now, actually. It's funny you should say that, right? Have you done it? Have you given irrationally? I mean, and why? Because you don't actually view it as giving. You view them as connected to you. If we saw that we were connected, really believed that, really bought into that, giving we would have to eliminate the word because if I, my hand gives to my mouth, my mouth is going to give back to my hand. This is what, this is huge, ready? This is what the early church got. They got it. And in, in the early part of Acts, it talks about the church. Now, I did a small group uh, this week and I, do, I like to do my small group with people that don't go to church. It's way more fun for me. You guys are boring. So we're doing, I'm doing a small group with people that don't go to church about church. Right? There's a couple here from the church, but, but the majority of them don't. Way more fun. Why would I come study the Bible with you and learn about church? I don't even go to church. I think all the more important reason. So we waded into this scripture, and I read to them, because here's the thing. Right away... When you talk about church, somebody has a, a, a thing in their mind, don't they? I mean, something pops into their head. It's a nun with a ruler. It is a pastor with hellfire and judgment. It is, some, sometimes it's wonderful, right? My experience has been a lot of people have something. It's, it's a little difficult, a little negative, a little judgmental. Some people have these wonderful stories, and it's all across the board, but it's usually related to church. Church is something you do on Sunday in a particular building for an hour. So no matter what I would say, their minds would immediately go to, well, 
the definition of church is it's a thing you do on an hour on Sunday and you go in a particular building. That's church. I'm going to church. How many of you said, I'm going to church? Do, yeah. Do you want to go to church with? We have confined the entire thing that Paul called the body of Christ to a one-hour slot on a what? Sunday morning. And then an hour that you can evaluate, right? You can say, well, pastor, he's a little off today. He's cranky. Uh, he's slow. He's this. He, you know, the music. Ah. And, and, and then you, you come in as if you would to a movie. And then you go on Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes. And you evaluate what it did for you or didn't do for you. And they limit it to an hour. And I said, what if, what if that hour was just a tradition that we picked up and it helped us connect a little bit, but the church has little to do with the one hour on Sunday morning. If it's the body of Christ, Paul said, in which he fills the earth with his presence. How is God filling the earth with his presence? How does God fill General Motors with his presence? Well, sure, God's everywhere at all times. We know this. But the practical way that God fills General Motors or Ford or Chrysler or the local school down the street here is when you walk in the door, right? You are the body of Christ. It's you. The thing I'm trying to get through with this series is you're the plan. How does God touch and save and fix and heal our broken world. He decided he was going to do it through us. So it's okay to pray. I'm fine with prayer. I think prayer is wonderful. But I think the thing we need to realize and recognize is it's our action. It's, it's our activity in the world that is doing it. So then I read this scripture. It says they, talking about this Early group, Acts chapter 2, the story, Acts, and if you, don't, you aren't familiar with the Bible, uh, is the story of the church, how the church got started after Christ. Because we, as a church, are supposed to be doing what he did, finishing what he started, if you would. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves, one of the things they devoted themselves to was eating. In other words, how do we connect with a lot of people? Hey, you want to go grab a coffee? Hey, you want to grab lunch? Hey, you like to have breakfast? Hey, you want to grab a drink? That's how they did it. They got together. They broke bread. They were devoted to the fellowship. That's the community. The, The teaching. That was a big part of it. They were listening and learning. And to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And listen to this. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, ready? Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone that had need. Now, I'm not trying to make us into some weird cult or anything, but I'm just I'm trying to just help you understand something. When you get it, when you see someone as a part of yourself, right, you do crazy things like that. 
You've done irrational giving. You've sold things or moved things. Some of you have moved across the country. Uh, you, you hear all the time I'm watching uh, college football and they'll say, oh yeah, this guy, his family moved from New Jersey down to Texas, sold their son, right? Guy gives up a good paying job, moves all the way across the country so their son could play at a different high school. That's irrational. Unless you see them as what? A part of you. In other words, we can absolutely throw out the idea of giving because giving doesn't actually exist. What really exists is connectedness. And the lack of giving separates us. This is the truth. Our separation from each other, just think about this. Our separation from each other is only in our minds. We all actually are connected. It's whether or not we'll let ourselves realize it. How many had to boil some water this week? What a great reminder that we're all connected. Isn't it true? That's not my problem. I got my faucet right here. Oh yeah, but yeah, but you know, if you take that faucet down far enough, it's what? That was easy. Connected. One, two, three. It's what? Connected. It's connected to something bigger. Immediately we all knew we're connected. One person's problem became what? All of our problem, right? Because we're connected. And what a great example to help us understand this, this particular week. Wow, I can't separate myself from that. How many, want, how many were, for the first time, glad you were on a well, right? You saw that, yeah, there you go. I didn't have that problem. I don't know what's wrong. I'm independent, right? Here's the truth. Once we realize that at a much deeper level, we are all connected to each other it helps us. We understand that contributing is a no-brainer. Think about this. Too often, people get stuck on the, what, what I call the form, of the, what the form of the church is. It's an hour on Sunday that you come and listen to a thing, and then you do whatever, and then you go about your life. But the early church, it says, they broke bread together every day. They met together in the temple courts. The temple courts would have been just some huge, massive uh, court in the city of Jerusalem. It was the place to be. We don't sort of have as many public squares like they do maybe in Europe or whatever, but this was just the place where you would get together and talk about things. You go to a lot of places in Europe and they have like a town square and in the evening people just come, they just gather and they just start talking. This is what was happening here. And they would get together, and it says they would eat in their homes together with glad and sincere hearts. So nowhere do you read in the early thing. They went to a particular building that had a cross on it. I, went to, I did a wedding the other day. Oh, man. Oh. And I sat there, and after the wedding was over, I sat down at this round table. And, um, you know, like I've been just pouring my blood, sweat, and tears into Orchard Grove for, you know, 15, 16, 17 years. You pour your blood, sweat, and tears in a starting... And this lady sat across from me, and she goes, so when are you going to build the church? And I, and I gripped my fork under the table. I just death grip on the fork. If only I had a steeple. But isn't this our perception? It's a building. It's an hour. Like I'm trying to formulate this passionate body of people that want to be Jesus everywhere that they go, that want to 
do acts of love and, and, and service and community everywhere. I, I mean, that's all I do. Every waking moment, I try to build the church. But we've reduced it to a, a, a building, an hour. If you've been around Orchard Grove long enough, then you know. I, first of all, you know I need little metaphors. Second, you know that most of them come from sports because I don't know much else. And so I, I, I use this one quite often with the church. This hour on Sunday is like the huddle, right? The football team has to pause and they get together in, in the huddle. And in the huddle, they have all kinds of huddles. Sometimes they put their arms around each other. Sometimes they hold hands. Sometimes they're in circles. There was a while there, they did them in rows, a first row and a second row, right? And uh, somebody calls the play. A couple guys will yell at each other. A couple guys will clarify things. You ran the wrong route. You should have hit that guy. No, that's my block. I'm going to take him next time. They get stuff sorted out. They encourage each other. And then when they're done, they do one, two, three, ready, break. We're going to try it here in a minute. Put your coffee down, ready? All right. And then when you break the huddle, you say, one, two, three, ready, that was lame. I need help over here. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Break. That, that, means, that means shake off the last play. That means get yourself fired up for the next one. All right? I need some participation on this side. One, two, three. Ready? Break. But you got to say break. I mean, some of you I would never play football with. No, we're going to go smash somebody in the face. All right? We're not doing that. One, two, three. Ready? I like it. So when we're done calling the play, then we have to run the play. We have to execute. We've got to get fired up for the thing that is in front of us. Being the church starts the minute I say amen. That's the break. One, two, three. Ready? See, that's when you start to play. That's when you go smash somebody. No, not really. You... We have the opposite, right? We are there, but we, we, that's when we take on the mission, what the church is to be. This is just the play. This is just the huddle. You don't watch the highlights after a, a game and go, oh, oh, man, look at USC huddle. I mean, the, the, line, the way they form. You don't, you don't talk about the huddle. The huddle is just a means to a much greater, what? Much greater end. Who cares? Who cares that the chairs are ugly? Who cares that there's a big giant I-beam in front of you? Who cares? Who cares that, that it's a warehouse? It doesn't matter. It didn't matter then. Are you with me? It didn't matter then. Why should it matter now? Who cares? Who cares? What matters? What's essential is not the huddle. What's essential is the break is the running of the play. What is essential is that when you go to work tomorrow or you go to school tomorrow or you go to your neighborhood tomorrow, that you demonstrate the love of Christ to the people that are around you, that you take seriously that I am the body of Christ. I'm supposed to show Christ to the people that are around me. I said, that's the church. And the people in our group are like, oh, Well, I'd be a part of that. You know what I think? I think there's a lot of people that are a part of it. They just don't come to the huddle that often. I do. 
I mean, you know, they have these some plays, and the guy will be, it's called the hurry-up offense, you know. And then the wide receiver, because he has so far to run from the sideline to the huddle, he stands over, they give him a couple signals. We're doing that one. How many of you know we got some wide receivers out there? They're like, I don't want to do the huddle. Like, right? Been too, I've been to too many of them. The funny thing is, I get it. I have them. They're all in my house, right? And so, uh, don't worry. I'll just signal the play to you. We're running this one. I'm signaling to some of you right now in your pajamas. But listen, we've we've worshipped the wrong stuff. Right? And I get story after story. I was made to go. I was forced to go. I was, right, threatened to go. I was told I was going to hell. And I mean, just crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Listen, it's not about the huddle. It's about the play. Now, I want to read on to what they, what they talked about. It says, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere Two words that are usually not associated with church. Yeah, it's Sunday church. Right? It's, it's the guy looking at his buddy's text messages about where, when we're golfing. And the wife goes, you get your kids in. The, right? And, and, oh, right? And the whole thing. Right? I get it. And then it's like hellfire and brimstone and... Glad and sincere seem to be the furthest. But just listen, this is, this is how it began. Hilarious, glad people. Really happy, really glad. Glad to be there. Glad to be apart. Glad to connect. Glad and sincere. Sincere. This is the thing I want you to understand. And Paul tried to help us, so did Jesus with this. Any giving, any contributing back always has to be glad and sincere. Glad and sincere. Glad and what? From the heart. From the heart. Paul's always saying, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do it under obligation. Don't give grudgingly. Huh? How many, how many parents have ever told one of your kids to hug the, uh, their sibling? Give your brother a hug. How'd that go? How many you ever done it? I mean, they did it in my house. It was like, give your brother a hug. Oh, God. No. Yes. No, I can't do it. Anybody? Have you ever got one of these glad and sincere hugs? Anybody? Do you guys live in a different planet than me? Or no, does this happen in your world? And so they go and they do it. And this is how a lot of people do church. What's the minimum? obligation. What are the dues I have to pay so I can get on with my important life? It's not connected. So this, here's the thing. It's like, no, there was none of that. It was glad and sincere. It was the hug you give after a touchdown. Anybody? Anybody seen that hug before? Right? And a guy tags him. Yeah, man, you're the stuff. You're the stuff. That's on the rear end. Whack, whack, whack. One of those. And you're like, Wow, I, I wanted to do that. You know, no one tells him to do that. You get in there and hug that guy for the touchdown he scored. It just explodes. 
You're not getting it. You're not getting it. I got it. I'm going to try the next service. Listen, you you know, because you're not getting it. It it, it erupted out of them. There was no force. There was no, you have to meet together. You have to get the. It was this body of people that saw what Jesus did. And then he gave them his spirit. And he's like, just go do more of that. And they're like, let's do it. I already tried on you guys twice. I am staying over here. I'm staying over here, people. Over here, over here. You're done. You're done. There there was no grudging. So when Paul talked about giving or needs or things, he says, don't give it grudgingly. If you have to give it grudgingly, you don't get it, and then you don't really think God's your provider anyway. You don't think it's going to come back to you. You don't think he gave it to you. You don't think it's coming back to you. You just miss the whole thing, and so God will get... Look, he'll get it done another way. It's funny, people think that... uh, God will get it done a different way. But you get the first crack. Throw the winning block. Right? Make the winning tackle. Catch the winning pass. Chance to be apart. If we focus so much on the form, we miss the function. Architects know this, right? What's the rule of architecture? Form follows what? None of you took architecture? No. Oh, you did? Well, I'll tell you. Form follows function. You don't don't go to the architect, I'm going to design a building for you. And he says, well, let me just design it for you. He asks you, first of all, what's the building going to, what's the function? What are you trying to do in the building? And then I'll make the form. So the problem has been with the church for so many years is we focus on the form and not the function. The form is not important. I just read to you the form of the early church. It has no official buildings. It has no official meeting time. It has none of that. They met together every day in the temple court. The temple court was this massive public structure. You didn't know if you were in or out. A guy was on the fringe, not paying attention, in the back, talking, drinking coffee. A guy was halfway. But they met there, and they met in homes. They just kept meeting because they, what they did, they, they, that huddle did something for them. You ever notice how life has momentum to it, just like sporting events has momentum to it? You get the momentum going the right way? Anybody? And it can get going the wrong way? A bad mood going in the house, a bad thing? One of the things the huddle is designed for is to change the momentum and the mood. To change the momentum and the mood. My goal when you come here is to change the momentum and the mood of your life. Why? Because if you just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again and there's no stop, or if you just get smashed in the teeth in a football play, you get back in the huddle and your guys tell you, don't worry, don't worry about that. Don't, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to... Right? you got to snap it back together. I think one of the beautiful things about meeting together with other people, good people, is they lift you up. They encourage you. And now you say, oh, I don't need the encouragement. You're fooling yourself. 
Every human being needs encouragement. Every human being needs to hear good words said to them, good words said about them, hope and faith in their future. Every human being needs to know this is going to work out. You're going to be okay. I know you're going through difficulty. We're going to get through this. We're going to turn this thing around. Everybody needs that. When they got together, they brought courage to one another. And then they ran the play. Now we have to go out and be Christ into our world. We have to bring light where there's darkness. We have to bring hope where there's despair. We have to bring forgiveness where there's unforgiveness. We have to bring peace where there's war. We have to bring healing where there's brokenness. We got to run the play.